two of our series on the Good Shepherd, based on Psalm 23. Dave Luthy led us last week and talked about the Shepherd of Peace. Next week, Dave Luthy is going to talk about the Shepherd of Provision. And my privilege this morning is to talk from verse 4, the Shepherd of um, Protection. I feel very honoured to speak from Psalm 23, because Psalm 23 has a very special place in my heart and in my life's journey. When I was um, 14 years of age, growing up in the suburb of Brisbane called Inala, going to the Inala Baptist Church, the youth leader of the church came to me very early in the year and said, Stephen, we would like you to preach the sermon at Youth Exchange. For all of those who are a bit younger, let me translate. The Baptist churches in those days used to have two weekends in the middle of the year. One where the the city churches would go out to country churches and they would be involved in a weekend program, including the services. And then two weeks later, all the city churches would come to the city. The country churches would come to the city and they would share in the services as well. I suspect part of it was that you gave the kids an opportunity to try out being leading church well away from the home church in case it didn't go so well. I'm not sure about that. But um, for me, um, I was rather glad that they gave me five months to prepare. And um, the church that we were assigned that year was Chinchilla Baptist Church, which was a long, long way away from Anala. And so um, early in the year, I started thinking and preparing um, about this sermon on Psalm 23. You know, I picked Psalm 23 because I thought it was nice. I thought a young kid couldn't get into too much trouble talking about um, green pastures and still waters and, um, and, and everybody knew it. I mean, we learned it off by heart when we were as kids. But my world changed between starting in early in the year preparing that sermon And by the time we got to the middle of the year, where I had to deliver my sermon, um, my world had changed dramatically. I still remember it very vividly on the 23rd of March, 1971. I was sitting in class at Anala High School when there was a knock on the door and somebody had come down from the principal's office and said, Stephen Ball is to report to the office and he's to take his bag with him. Well, the school I grew up in, that normally meant you were being expelled. Um, So I had some fear and trepidation because I really wasn't that bad. As I walked across to the principal's office, um, I walked in and they said, you better go straight into the principal's office. And when I walked into the principal's office, instead of the principal behind his desk was a friend of our family's, a Baptist pastor sitting there. And he said, Stephen... I'm very sad to tell you, but your dad was killed at work today. He was working on some big earth-moving equipment and something let go and he was killed there at work. You know, that's a very stunning thing for a 14-year-old boy to be told. And in those days, I think um, counselling was a little bit different because... um, They said, you better go home straight away, and I'd rode my push bike to school, so I jumped on my push bike and rode several miles home, and I still have the picture as I walked into the house, there was my mum at 33 years of age, 
Um, my five younger siblings, aged from one to nine, and they were all huddled together in the corner. You know, we were a migrant family, which meant we had no relatives in Australia. They were all in England. We were a poor family. We lived in housing commission. Uh, my dad worked really hard to provide for our family, but we didn't have a lot of money in the bank or anything like that. And now our breadwinner was dead. What do you do when your world seems to fall apart? Do you blame God? Or do you actually lean into God and trust him to guide you and your family through such a time? You see, I started preparing my sermon on Psalm 23 early in that year. And then I was overcome by the circumstances in my life so that Psalm 23 went from being a nice passage that I could easily talk about to a very foundational passage in my life's journey, even to this day. So let us read the passage. And if you're like me, you probably know it off by heart. So as it's on the screen and as I read it, you feel free to read it out loud with me as well as we go through. Because in this psalm, it's helpful to keep it in the context of the whole psalm, even though today we're going to look at verse 4. So if we have that on the screen, you might like to say it out loud or quietly as we go through. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." I don't know what you were thinking last week as we looked at verses 1 to 3, but for some of us we think it's easier to accept the Lord as our shepherd during those times of green pastures and still waters. But it's so precious to understand that he's our shepherd through the trials and challenges that have, will um, or are present in our life. So verse 4, let's have a look at the verse itself. It says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is precious teaching from God's word because God is promising to be both our courage and our comfort in the midst of life storms. So let's just have a look at a couple of the parts of the passage. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, First thing I want you to notice is this. It says, even though I walk through the valley. It doesn't say, now some people will be unlucky enough to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, it's a common human experience, whether it's in the current time, whether it's been in the past. And certainly if we've had none of that experience, then probably in our future there will be some point when we feel like we are in the, the valley of the shadow of death. Some people think that it's talking about going through death, but it actually talks about the valley of the shadow of death, 
And so I really think that this passage is saying that in this life, there will be life-threatening, life-challenging events and circumstances that we will go through that very much threaten our very existence, whether they are physical, emotional, social, or whatever other type of experience. There will be seasons when we feel really um, in difficult places. Um, Christians down through the centuries have talked about it. St John the Cross, for example, in the 16th century, talked about the dark night of the soul. Um, it's not that we follow Jesus and everything is good. In fact, when, when, when things are not good, that's when our relationship with God is so precious. Because the next part of the verse says this, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So even though we walk through these times and we experience these times, the reason that we fear no evil is not because we can get away from them necessarily, but because God promises that he is with us in the midst of those circumstances. Um, we're not alone. Um, this truth is expressed in many parts of scripture, that we are not alone no matter what the circumstances are around our life. One of those verses which is very precious to me is Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 where God is speaking to Joshua and he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you will go. God doesn't promise that we won't have trials. He promises to be there with us. And that verse in um, Joshua 1.9 is another life verse of mine um, through a different situation, um, which I'm going to share at the next senior service on October the 19th if anybody's free, but I won't go into it now. But the reality that God is with us um, is so precious. And then he says this, and you might wonder about what this means. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is the rod? What is the staff? Well, I, I looked up and seeing if I could find out some information about this. And it seems that the rod is like that blunt instrument on the, your left-hand side of your picture. And this was like a weapon that the shepherd in that time had to defend his sheep against the various things that would come and threaten their very life and existence. Um, if you want to get a picture of the author of Psalm 23, um, David knew well what it meant to be a shepherd. And if you looked in, for example, in 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35, you hear the account of David fighting off bears and lions um, that sought to harm his sheep. And it would seem that this rod was the weapon that the shepherds had that they could actually take on the enemy that affected the sheep. The staff is a different thing. It's not two words for the same thing. And the staff was more like a long stick with a, with a hook on the end. And this staff was used by the shepherd to guide the sheep. As the sheep were moving through the rocky countryside of the Middle East, he could use the shepherd's staff to guide them one way or the other. Or if they got caught into a crevice or into a tight space and they needed to be moved, he could use the, the hook on the end of his staff to lift them up and to put them back into safe ground as they go through. Here is the picture of the shepherd in the Middle Eastern countryside. But here also is the picture of our great God 
who is there wanting to protect us and also wanting to guide us and direct us where we go. His guidance and his loving kindness is offered to his sheep. And I want to just go back to verse 1 and, and remind us all that this morning that no matter what the situations we are facing or will face in the future, that promise that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that he will provide for me in those times is equally as true. And do you know something else? I think the picture of the shepherd being our God, somehow or other we also, the picture of being sheep is not too far from the mark of what we can be like in our humanness as well. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's what we're celebrating at communion this morning. We as sheep by nature will go away and God calls us to come to him because he wants to supply all our needs. Sometimes when I read this passage, I think this is great. God's promise that he'll supply all my needs. But when I stop and think about it, I have to think deeper. Because does God supply all of my needs without a response from who I am? And then the big picture starts to sink into my brain. And it's this, that in order for God to supply all my needs, then I have to be prepared to allow him to do that. I actually have to follow the shepherd. I actually have to allow him to be my shepherd. There's an author who, who writes on this imagery quite well called Philip Keller, and he talks about this as being that we as sheep need to be utterly contented in the good shepherd's care and consequently not craving anything or desiring anything more. So when we come to read this passage um, it is great that God wants to be our shepherd, but we need to respond by following him and allowing him to be our shepherd. I can be anxious about many things. David, who wrote this psalm, was anxious. His life, he was an a, um, outcast. He was chased by the king of the day, Saul. He knew what it was like to be in fear. He knew what it was like to be corralled into a place where there didn't seem to be any escape. And yet through this psalm, we know that he found the truth, that he could put his faith in his shepherd and his shepherd would supply all that he needs. And maybe God says that to us today too. Maybe it's our personal journey and our personal life where there is a sense where we are trying to overcome all the challenges and trials that come our way. And maybe God is saying, no, remember that you need to put your trust in me because I will be with you, you don't need to fear and I will guide you through those circumstances. And it also is a message to the church. Churches are equally able to gather corporately to try and do things in their own strength. God says, I want to be the shepherd of this church, Brackenridge Baptist Church. I want to lead and guide and direct and, and you need to have the confidence to put your trust in me. It was rather reassuring as I read through um, a number of accounts and passages in the Bible that there are many examples 
of people who have read and put their faith in the shepherd. Some of them are from our Christian history. Um, one story that I read with interest was the story of a, of a Dutch lady whose name was Corrie Tin Boom. Um, Corrie Tin Boom um, was a Dutch watchmaker. She grew up in the watchmaking shop of her father in Amsterdam in Holland. Um, she was born in 15th of April 1892 and during the Second World War, her family, including Corrie, um, took the risky and brave act of taking Jewish families and hiding them from the Holocaust and from the Nazi occupating forces. Her family were um, found out and captured and sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp. Most of her relatives died um, in that situation. Corrie Ten Boom survived and there's a, a film that you can look at called The Hiding Place and a book that she has written and the theme of the book is this that her faith in God allowed her not only to survive but to thrive in the midst of that concentration camp not only for her own benefit but to actually reach out and to be a comfort and be used by God to touch many lives then and then she became an international speaker and touched many more lives after the event. I've just picked out a couple of quotes from Corey Tin Boom, which I think are giving testimony that she could say, the Lord was my shepherd, I did not want. She said this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Well, one that's really captured my mind in recent times is this, when a train goes through a tunnel... It gets dark. You don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. I think she knew what it meant to be, say, the Lord is my shepherd in the midst of life's most difficult circumstances. But we can look at scripture as well. The Apostle Paul had a wonderful testimony of how the Lord was his shepherd, even though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. 2 Corinthians 11, 27 says this, I've been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day on the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. He seems to like the word danger. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. If you ever say, I wish I was like the Apostle Paul, you need to take that verse very carefully. He knew what it was like to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet he was able to write in Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He knew what it was to have the Lord as his shepherd. The other example I want to give is actually a picture. This is a picture um, that a good friend of mine who I was in college with and um, we were young pastors together. He is now the principal of Malian College and every time I go and meet with him, which is about every six weeks or so, I sit in his office and he has this picture on his wall, very large picture. It's an inspirational picture. It's based on the passage of Matthews 14, 22 to 33. The story was that Jesus came walking on the water. The, the disciples were in the boat, fearful that their life was in danger. Their boat was going to sink. And they call out to Jesus and Peter calls out to Jesus and he says, Lord, if it's you, call me to walk towards you. And I think when I think about this passage that there's a tremendous sense of excitement. Imagine being able to walk on water, let alone a raging storm of water. And as so Peter uses his faith to step out in obedience to Jesus' call for him to walk on water. And for a moment or two, it's exhilarating because he's walking on the water. But you know what happens next, don't you? He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He forgets about seeing Jesus and putting his trust wholly in him. And he looks around and realises that he's in a very difficult situation. In the picture, you'll see he's about halfway down in the water. He's starting to sink. There was no way that he could get himself out of that situation. But the passage goes on and tells us that he calls out to Jesus for help and immediately Jesus reaches down and picks him up and takes him back into the boat. And when they get on shore, the disciples bow down and worship Jesus as Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. For some of us, this experience of walking through the valley of the shadow of death might be like that picture. We've stepped out, we had faith, but we get overwhelmed by the circumstances that are all around us and we're starting to sink. We need to come back to Psalm 23. We need to actually not only say but to believe that the Lord is our shepherd and that when we call out to him, he will provide all that we need. Not necessarily take everything away, but he will be there with us. We don't need to fear any evil. My personal testimony is this that in the darkest and most difficult situation that I can find myself in, I believe with all my heart that the Lord is my shepherd. You know, a couple of days after my dad was killed, um, we were at home and there were many people who passed through our house. We didn't know how we were going to survive. And people provided for us. People provided finances so that we could bury my father. There would be groceries left on the doorstep. God provided in so many different ways. I learnt that I didn't have an earthly father, but I had a heavenly father who I could put my trust in. And he never let me down. God was my shepherd. And I remember standing up to do my first sermon in the middle of that year. 
And I said something very much like this. I said, when I started to prepare this message, I thought I knew that the Lord is my shepherd. But I want to say to you in this congregation today, I know without a doubt that the Lord is my shepherd because whatever the circumstances my, have faced and my family have faced, he has been there, faithful and true. I'm going to ask the um, band to come back and join us on the stage because I believe that this passage is relevant for many of us. Whether we are in the seasons of fine weather or whether we are in those deep valleys of difficulty, um, we need together and individually to affirm the promise that the God has made, the Lord is my shepherd. We need to accept his offer and allow him to be with us in every and each situation. I found a song, which really is Psalm 23, um, written by a more modern person, modern to me, you might think he's um, a bit older, but a guy called Stuart Townend. And he's put the words of the Lord is my shepherd into music and song. I'm going to suggest that this might be an opportunity where we can respond to what God might be saying to us. Very simple response today. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to sing this song together. I'll get you to stand. When we come to the third verse, you'll find it's the paraphrase of verse 4 that we've looked at today. And when we get to the chorus, you'll learn the chorus because we'll sing it together with the music, whatever. When we come to that last chorus after the last verse, we're going to stop the music and I'm going to invite you to sing out loud those words. If you can affirm that that's what you want to do, that you really want to put your trust in the Lord in every situation, um, whatever the circumstances of life are going to be, and then we're going to finish. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Um, you'll catch on to the tune as we go. And then when the music stops, keep singing if that's your heart.